This podcast is a proud member of the Teach Better Podcast Network. Better today, better tomorrow, and the podcast to get you there. Explore more podcasts at www.teachbetterpodcastnetwork.com. Now let's get on to the episode. Welcome to the Big Ed Idea Podcast, a podcast for those looking to change the world through education. Each week, we bring you a new idea, however big or bold it is, that has the potential to disrupt, upheave, or remix education. Now here's your host, our dad, Ryan Scott. Hey, 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 Big Ed, Big Ed Idea Podcast listeners. Welcome back to the Big Ed Idea Uh, This is episode 2.26, and today I am joined by a gentleman that I had the pleasure of meeting, I don't know, three months ago um, at a local uh, brewery, and we met over this cool idea. These people were in town talking about um, innovation, and obviously innovation is something I love that's definitely on my heart, and so I got the chance to sit down and, and enjoy a couple pints with this this young man, and we got to talk about his ideas. Um, so I think you're going to love his ideas. So make sure you stick around for um, this episode with the one and only Brian LaDuca. Uh, Brian is a girl dad like me, but he's also a twin dad. Um, he is a husband. He is the founding executive director of the Institute of Applied Creativity for Transformation at the University of Dayton. That just sounds really cool. I can't Cannot wait to find out what that actually is. Um, His research is focused on the relationship between necessary 21st century skills in the workforce and competency-based curriculum and post-secondary ed. So without further ado, Mr. Brian LaDuca, thank you for being on the Big Ed Idea Podcast. Thank you, my friend, Ryan. Thank you. Thank you so much for that introduction. I appreciate (laughs) it. Uh, uh, Awesome to be here on this uh, wonderful uh, Sunday in the Midwest here. Right. Uh, um, So, yeah, thank you so much. You know, it's funny. I am a girl dad of one. That's right. You are a girl dad of many. God bless you, man. God bless you. So that's awesome. Yes. And a twin. Twin dad. I haven't heard that before. I guess it's out there, but I've never actually been called that before. Um, yeah, probably my twins hashtag. are actually, is it, uh, yeah, right. My twins are the boys. Yep. My girl is the, is the young one. So I got, I got three. Right. And I, and I got a, um, uh, you know, I always, we always have to incorporate our dogs in this. Mix, right? So I got a, you know, I got a boy dog who's four and we just got a girl puppy seven days ago. So oh. doing that dance, doing that dance this past <laughs> week has been a fat, it's been awesome. So anyways, thanks for having me, Ryan. I appreciate it, man. No, man. Thank you very much. So, all right. So a little bit of backstory. Um, I think we met, I don't know, maybe it was July, maybe it was August. I think it was late July. It was late July. Yeah. Okay. And so the university of Evansville had this really cool um, like week event where they they essentially they invited people to just come brainstorm on big ideas, um, which is always something I'm always down for. Um, because of work stuff, I couldn't do it. Um, but I did get we did get to meet up at Damsels, which is a really yeah. awesome brewery on the west side of Evansville. Um, anybody listening that's in the Evansville area, you should check it out. Um, but Brian, tell our listeners kind of what you were in town for that day, if you don't mind. Yeah. No, not at all. Yeah. It's so. 
you know, I think I got, it's so fascinating, right? You, you get these, these random emails from this guy. I got this random email from this guy four months prior who actually works for um, Steelcase, the innovative furniture company, right? Out of Grand okay. Rapids, right? Okay. I met him many moons ago. His name is Brad, right? Many moons ago, man. Um, and it was kind of more of a selling relationship initially. Like he wanted to know if UD, University of Dayton, IAC Mines, he was going to buy some of his innovative furniture, the whole nine yards, right? But he and I hit it off and he started having these conversations with me and him. And, I, and then I hadn't I had heard from him from, for, for, for almost a year, years. And then all of a sudden, he ends up connecting me with Jacqueline, right, over there in Evansville, right? Jacqueline Adie, the ADY, if I might not say if I'm saying her last name correctly. So Jacqueline and I connect, and I'll be honest, I was like, oh, I don't really need to make another networking contact at the moment. I got <laughs> enough people right now. You know, sometimes you get to that point where you're yeah, like, yeah. pump the brakes, I don't need more networking stuff. But you know what? I'm a holler this Jacqueline person and see what's going on, right? And so, so I holler Jacqueline, who then kind of was like, "Hey, we've got this. We got a cramp, and we're really looking at like how do we kind of we're looking at at, at University of Evansville. How do we push the curriculum forward? How do we try to challenge the innovative process of how we think? But more importantly, how do we push it at the K through 12 level, right? Yes, so how can we yes. bring in you know thought leaders?" who can kind of come in here for, and it was a, it was a long process. I mean, they had us there for four or five days. Right. Yeah. And so they hollered at me and we're like, listen, we saw your work. We've seen the stuff you've done. Would you want to come in for four days and like lead some of your design thinking approaches? And my design thinking work is a little different because I look at people at the center of it versus the product space. Okay. Okay. And it's just, and I look at, cause you know, the design thinking is what we call people product relationship, right? It's that, you know, our cell phones are the OG babies of the design thinking movement, right? It was once a thing that was on our wall connected to tether to a wire. Now it's something that feels good in our hands is an appendage. So we were like, I was like, so, I do it a little different. I was at the people in those relationships, right? And those things like that. And so, you know, uh, they were like, hey, would you want to come in and lead a couple of the pieces? And at the time I was rocking out and developing a whole new curriculum around something we're talking a lot about today called micro-credentials, right? right Specifically right. 21st century skill credentials, right? And so we'll talk more what that means. And they hadn't heard it that way. It was, I had the opportunity to come in and bring my experiences, my designs, my pedagogy into the space. And we got to play with like 12 folks from the Evansville area who were really adamant and passionate about really flipping the script on K-12 education, even higher ed. And so I got to stay there for four days. I got to live in a dorm. I mean, honestly, it sounds weird. I never lived in a dorm in my undergrad. I was always in a fraternity. I got to go right to a fraternity right when I got to University of Illinois back in the day. So I got to stay in a dorm by myself on the first floor of his dorm in Evansville in the middle of July. And I'll be honest, it was fantastic. It was like this kind of mental break <laughs> to get away. So anyways, long story short, or st short story long, right, that's, right, how right. I got into, that's how I got in the Evansville hood and started doing some work with all your, uh, all your colleagues over there. So Man, that's awesome. No, I, it's so much of what you say uh, resonates with me. Just a simple fact, I think, um, I think you kind of live outside of the box. Um, and oh, there, I, we, we, we always say, Ryan, we always say, Ryan, there is no box. Yeah, that's the plan. Okay. Okay, I made like that's always that been on. the MO. There's always the MO. Like, don't make a box. That's yeah. it. So yeah, yeah. Okay. 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 So, so okay. So let's bust the box up because yeah. Um, what we do at the very beginning of every one of these episodes is is just to model that thinking of connections before content. Um, so I love the simple fact that you said in your work, you really put people at the center 
of the design mm-hmm. thinking process. And, and, you know, I'm, I'm pretty adamant that you got to have the, you got to have the connections if you want to do any type of content with kids. And so these first two segments is really to just model that. And the first yeah. one um, that I love to do is it's called what's up at the Scott house. Um, so I'm going to drop three words or three phrases about my current reality. going to explain it. And then I'm going to throw it over to you. Mm-hmm. All right. So my first yeah, one, go for it. Um, home. Uh, so here's why I said home. So I was able to actually spend all weekend for the most part home. We are never able to do that because um, with three girls now living at home, Madison's off at college, but the three that are living at home, I'm coaching two soccer teams. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm coaching a 13 year old team, a U six year old team. Um, normally during the week, we've got yard work because we live on five acres. So I've got five hours of mowing. Um, so this week, <laughs> yeah. So this weekend was fabulous because I didn't have to do any of that. Um, secondly, weather, um, weather in the Midwest right now is phenomenal. I don't know what it's like up there in the, in the, uh, Dayton area, but yeah, I'm loving it because the nights are cool. The days are nice. Um, we haven't had a lot of rain. We're needing some more rain, but the weather is beautiful. And then my last word is nephew. Um, I say that because it's funny, my brother and I, I've got all girls. He's got all boys. Um, and we were privileged to have Nolan, our one-year-old nephew, he spent the night with us Monday, uh, Friday night. And so it was, it was weird to have another man in the, um, another man in the, in the house. Um, my girls, I saw the photos. I saw the photos on the gram. So that's that I saw you guys living life with that, with with young Mr. Nolan right there. Yeah. 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 We, I don't know what it's like to have a son. So it was really cool to have uh, no one in the house for this weekend. And so that is what is up at the Scott house. What's up at the uh, LaDuca house? Yeah. So I like to like riff a little bit on letters. So we got the three P's right now. Okay. The first P is P. P P like, you know, I got a puppy. (laughs) Yeah. And let's be honest. And my puppy is actually potty trained, but man, and her name is Binks, right? She's a, um, she's a hybrid uh, 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 um, pit, uh, Rottweiler child, right? Nice. So she's 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 three months old, and she drinks so much water, bro. And like we take her out all the time, but <laughs> man, she's peeing everywhere. She's peeing right now. everywhere. So, I mean, she's peeing outside, really good. <laughs> but like every moment, we see a little spot, man. So I've gotten really good at cleaning up pee this week, right? So all right. that's my all first right. piece of the puzzle, right? My okay. second one is prop. My second one is being proud because. You know, this has been a, a a really big weekend. It was the closing weekend of the fall soccer season. My son plays select. And, um, you know, he has been through like hell and high water with different clubs. And this has been his club. He landed. I remember us. Yeah. Talking been, about that. Yeah. And he's feeling it. He's feeling it. And he had this first big tournament this weekend. Ooh, hold on. I keep having my, my Siri keeps popping up. I apologize. My Siri oh, keeps okay. popping up. Sorry. So um, I, he was feeling it. And so, you know, we he he let's put it this way his team went three and oh scored 20 goals but they didn't get to the play in the championship of the tournament and that's a whole other story but what i'm really proud of i'm really proud of is that he had a breakdown into the third game and he lost it like he at the game was over he started crying and it started realizing like he just wasn't he felt he wasn't playing to his potential and like a young sixth grader 
young boy going through a lot of hormones, not sure what to do with it. He just kind of lost his mind. It was like, yeah. I'm not, you know, he, he, he was like, I'm not doing it. Why am I not good right now? And so we had this huge conversation today and he got out and he emailed his coach and he just said, Hey, I'm, I want to know what I can do better next year. And so I'm very proud of him to step up and say, listen, like he did nothing wrong. He was fan. He was fi- fantastic. Everything worked out great. He was wonderful. But like what had ended up happening was I was just proud of him to be in the space of doing what he was doing today with that work. Right. Pretty my mature, last man. one today is, yeah, my last one is positive. Just yes. positive right now. You know, I think, you know, uh, my boys had their first MB- fantasy NBA draft today. We had an NBA draft. My boys wanted to do it. Like my daughter, I'm looking at her doing things right now as an eight, she's eighth grade, you know, she's not eighth grade, she's eight years old. I just have a very, very positive feeling about my children right now. And on a Sunday, you know, that could be, that, that's really t- nice to take to bed. And so that's where I'm at right now. My three P's today with the Duca household. Love it, man. I, I love it. Yeah. It's, there's so much. Um, I'm one of those guys that, you know, we got to feed the positive dog daily. Um, but there's so much positivity around us and we just, we just sometimes just got to open our eyes. And so, Absolutely. yeah, it's really nice to be able to reflect at the, at the end of a, of a weekend and be excited about going into the, the, the week ahead. And so thank you for telling us your three P's, even thank if one you. of yes, them was PP. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yes, yes, yes. Yeah. But I can relate. I've got two dogs <laughs> myself. So, yeah. Okay. <laughs> My next segment is the two for two. And so this is just, I've got two getting to know you questions. Uh, we'll then flip it around. And you get to ask mm-hmm. me too. So my first one, um, Brian, honestly, you strike me as, um, as a guy that can cook. And so I am going to ask you, what is your go-to recipe? So your wife gets home. She's that's exhausted. That's, that's awesome. It's just a great question. I know what you're, you know, I, I, I used to be a really good cook back in the day. And okay. it's been it's been weaker since you know I got to Dayton and my job got amped up and now my doctoral work. But like I can tell you right now what my number it's what we call honey chicken tacos. And so we get a nice rotisserie, I debone it, you know, get the whole thing chopped up fine. I throw it in a skillet, I give it a good, good slather of, of Frank's hot sauce. With barbecue sauce as well, which is usually uh, I forget, um, I forget what the barbecue sauce is, and then ranch. I get that going, I get it caramelized, and then I give it a coating of honey, and so, and then I get it all nice, and then I get it in like these, and I put it in like tortillas with some slaw and some and some 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 queso, and yeah, it's honey chicken tacos is my go. That sounds phenomenal. That's that, Thanks, that does brother. sound phenomenal. That's, that's awesome. I'll tell you what I love to cook. Um, but I was at the butcher shop the other day. I love to smoke brisket. Um, because all of my dad's family's from Texas. So I grew up on brisket, but you know, as a kid, brisket was like junk. Like it was the part of the cow nobody wanted. So it was super cheap. And you know, now all these hipsters are, are eating. <laughs> I mean, for real, all these hipsters. But let's be are honest, eating. I love the fact yeah. that hipsters. I mean, I love it, man. The brisket oh, yeah. is like the jam. But it was a hundred dollars. I went to the butcher oh. Friday to get pork chops, Whoa. and I walked in. I was going to get a brisket. I was like, Nah, never mind. Nah. <laughs> never mind. Never mind. Okay, my second question for you, Mister Brian. Brian. What is the your best part 
of last week? Wow, that's crazy question. Um, oh, uh, all right. My best part of last week is the fact that, like, so, ooh, holy cow, I was about to talk about it. All of a sudden, all this emotion just came up all of a sudden. That was not expected at all. Wow, hold on. So my wife's got a really, really awesome new job. And she's a pre-K teacher now. She's not a trained teacher. She's a nutritionist by trade. And she's the pre-K teacher with one of the like brand new world-class international Dayton public school systems that just right opened up, where she is now teaching immigrants' children as oh, they enter very our cool. city. And last week was her first kind of really tough run-in with a young boy who she f- admires. She finds him to be genius, but he has an aggression problem. Yeah. And, yeah. and she navigated this aggression problem at this unbelievable level without like, and she was able to kind of walk him, at least how she told me about it, her ability to navigate his aggression, his place, his hulking out without making him uh, a target or a mark. Um, and actually brought her father, his father in to talk, not to punitive, but absolutely to bring in sure. collaborative. Sure. Sure. Um, and to watch her navigate that, but to also see her exhausted, but also feeling full. It, you know, we all have our jobs, and I've been in a position for quite a while in my life where I felt purposeful. Yeah. And my wife's had that really uphill battle trying to find purpose in, in that world. And who knew she was going to be a pre K teacher at this international school? And here she is knocking this out. And it last week when she, that story resonates in my head. It was awesome. I'm so proud of her. I think it's fantastic, and it makes me very emotional to talk about it. Yeah, definitely. I've got some goosebumps right now. Um, yeah, you know, we all long, and I think as dads, I think you would sympathize when I say this. Like, the number one thing I want for my girls is to find a career, not a job. And, right. um, yeah, it's awesome when, when that happens. It doesn't happen a lot for some people. No, it's um, hard. So, yeah. It's hard. It's hard. Yeah, it is. All right, my turn? Yeah, yeah, do it. All right, here we go. So two questions. Mr. Scott, do you get Sunday scaries? Sunday scaries? Do you know what Sunday scaries are? So is that where you're worried about the upcoming week? Correct. Okay. No, no, I don't at all. Um, tell me why. How? How do you tell me? Tell me, tell me, tell me that. Tell me because okay. there's, you know, there's a, a research shows more adults now more than ever are getting Sunday scaries. And I'm curious as to, you know why you don't okay yeah so i've been in education now 16 years i have had some pretty challenging classes pretty challenging environments um but i'll be honest like between you and me it has never been the kids that have been challenging so being able to look and also i mean i think it goes back to what you were talking about your wife like like i strongly believe that that God put you in particular places at particular times for particular reasons. And a part of the fun part of our daily life is figuring out the why, like, why am I, why am I in this building right now? Like I could be other places. Why did this happen to me? Blah, 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 blah. So I'm, I'm actually energized by going into, into the week, being able to look for those, what I call God winks, Um, keeping my eyes open, knowing that, the place where I'm at serving for these students, there's a reason I'm there. I'm very purpose-driven. I'm very, um, 
I think when you when you keep your purpose in front of you, it makes a lot of the hard stuff easier, if that mm-hmm, makes sense. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And so, Absolutely. you know, I've been in I've been in in classrooms where first and second graders spitting on me, biting me, kicking me, mm-hmm. but I still mm-hmm. loved, loved to see them every day because I knew I was their best chance at them, you know getting getting a little bit better that day and so no i do not get the sunday scaries um that's fast that's awesome good for you yeah, i mean I, yeah, I yeah i think you know i always ask that or i'm always conscious of it i had i went from probably fifth grade till probably so that would have been 1987 i was in fifth grade 88 um until in, until until I stopped having Sunday scaries, oh, yeah. Um, yeah. It, it lasted a real long time, and I'm always it's always a big thing for my my, my children. My one yeah. of my sons, Joaquin, he's very Monday is a very, Sunday night is a very balled up time because they haven't understood yet how to negotiate the week ahead. And it's sure. it's not because they're afraid; it's because they are ready or they're not ready. You know, it's right. it's this this want to succeed. And so I think it's, it is a, uh, I always find it a fascinating conversation for adults because what takes, I don't have sleeping issues anymore. So I'm curious why it happens, right? For yeah. folks, right. Don't get me wrong. There are days where like, I'm like, Oh my God, I have a big presentation tomorrow and I have a little sure. bit of a trouble. Sure. But, but in the end, I don't have my Sunday issues. So, all right. So you asked me about last week. Let me ask my second question. What's the biggest family event slash experience you're looking forward to next week? Or the week coming, coming up since we're on a Sunday. Yeah, yeah. Okay. So, yeah. So, this coming week, um, we have got, well, a, a couple things. Thursday night, my oldest and my, well, not my oldest. So, something you'll know about me. I've got my 19-year-old and then the next youngest is 11. So, I kind of pr- refer to them like in two different parts of kids. I get it. So, I get it. I get it. So, so my oldest, youngest, uh, Stella, she's 11. And then my eight-year-old have parent-teacher conferences on Thursday. And I'm really excited. Um, and here's where I'm really excited. Hazel was a kindergartner during COVID. Um, and I don't, I don't so know was what my it was daughter. Like. So was my daughter. My daughter was a kid. Absolutely. Absolutely. Okay. And so from August till January, she was completely at home, completely doing all of her kindergarten work on a Chromebook. Um, I was at work. My wife was at work. My oldest daughter was trying to do, I think, her junior high school work and also trying to keep her two younger sisters on their Chromebooks doing their work. Okay. Yeah. And so Hazel had all of that. Then came back in January to two days a week, and that was it. And in, I want to say the end of February, they started talking about retaining her. And I was like, hold up. No way. No way. She has (laughs) not had developmentally. She has not been in in the seat to learn any of those things. Give her time. She's going to be fine. The end of the year. She was doing all right. I said, give her some time, give her some time. And now here she is in second grade. Um, She's reading books. She loves reading. Um, Her math is coming around. Her number sense is still a little bit low. Um, But she has made leaps and bounds just because we let her learn at her own 
pace. And so yep, I'm super excited to hear from her teachers how she's doing. We just had ours this past uh, Thursday. And, you know, you go, you've, we've done been doing these for a minute. You know, my boys are in six. Actually, my daughter is one year old and your daughter. So like, yeah, she, my daughter's in third. We've always gotten good. It's always been solid, right? And, you know, I don't know what it was this time around, but Thursday when we got in, these teachers were like, I mean, I was in tears. My wife was in tears. They were just like, I don't know what you guys are doing, but like the kids are just rock stars. There we go. And and you got twin boys who are couldn't be more op- opposite, right? <laughs> and you know, one's you know almost as tall as Mama. The other one is a little bit shorter. You know, one's super athletic, one's not. One's like super intellectual. The other one's kind of more jockey and social. And listening to them talk about them in a way. And they had these essays and they had the most corniest essay, right? Tell a story about your, your summer experience. And they both wrote about our journey back to Chicago in like, I don't know, May, we did a hit and run. And we went there to go meet my niece who was going to Arizona State University and making sure she was going to get off okay. But we wanted to go there and say, hey, why don't we show you guys around where mommy and poppy used to live and where we met and where's our old apartments yeah, in Chicago. Yeah, yeah. We did all that. We stepped at my dad's was making, he got a brand new pizza maker, right? So he's out in the back, you know, doing those pizzas. <laughs> they wrote these, they wrote these, they wrote these, these reports. And the teacher was like, I think I, I know you guys like the storytelling, your children are amazing. And the, my daughter's on the top. I mean, I'm blessed. Not going to lie. My children, my, my, my parent-teacher conference last on Thursday set me off on a high. I mean, I guess yeah. I should have made that many. That could have been my other thing you asked me about yeah. last week. But yeah. like, so God bless you, Ryan. I look forward to seeing and how that all rolls out for you this week, man. For yeah, sure. That's going to be powerful. Appreciate it very much. Um, yeah, Hazel is our, is our one. She struggles um, behaviorally. And I think a lot of that had to do because if she didn't get it out in kindergarten. You know, right. she didn't learn uh, sure. what was socially acceptable in the classroom and what wasn't. So, yeah, but I digress. Parenting is amazing. <laughs> I love it. Um, yeah. Anyway. OK, so let's get back to what what we're here for. Um, yeah, other yeah, than no a reunion of sorts. Um, so, you know, we are in. So the big ed idea is in the education space. And so I always love to find out from, my guests kind of how education found them. Um, Like I said, I'm a firm believer. Um, You don't find education, it finds you. And so I'm really curious, how did Brian, what is Brian's origin story when it comes to education? You know, there was a point in time, and it was the fall of 2007. And I was at grad school in the University of Nebraska, Lincoln, right? And my, my, my master's degree is in theater and film, right? Directing okay. and producing. Okay. Um, so it was uh, my third year. I was finishing up. And, you know, when you're in your third year, or when you're in, uh, they brought a whole new class of actors in. They were first year, third, master's students, right? And technicians and the whole nine yards. So here we are in this class run by an amazing, if you look them up, he is a groundbreaking theater professor, a theater historian, theater, and, and his name is Tice Miller. And Tice asked in his class, and he's old. I mean, at this point in time, it's a 2000, he was probably 84, 83, old, old school dude. And he just said, 
it was the pretty much every single grad student, first, second, third year in his class. And he's like, who was here to be a teacher and who is not? I was the only guy who raises his hand that says, I'm not here to be a teacher. I have no interest in teaching. I have no interest in being in higher ed. I am going to be a producer and a director. Right. And, and that's my jam, right? I was going into this thing. Like I'm going to go ahead and direct and produce and do all this crazy stuff. Right. I'm going to be the best damn know, I'm going to go back to Chicago where I'm from. We're going to, it's the biggest, best like theater city outside of New York, but it's also the space where you go to start, not Broadway. Right. It's everything. Right. So then, you know, you get married in 08. There's no money in 2008. Nobody has a job. Nothing, it's, and, yeah. and I take it. I luckily land a gig in University of Chicago in January of 09 as their managing director of the theater program. And it was there. Origin story or not, I'm in this space with a bunch of the most richest, wealthiest, privileged young people in the world. But the theater program at the University of Chicago only has like 15 majors, but there's 500 students in the program. They're all bio and chem and business and poli sci and advanced humanities practices. Right? Super smart people. Oh, they're <laughs> producing plays. Yeah. That are like about sh- sh- stuff, yeah. things, real yeah. things. And I go, how are you, how are we working this out? Like, how are you cross disciplinary, multidisciplinary, this stuff, right? And so I'm blown away, but my conservatory brain from University of Illinois, University of Nebraska is saying, this isn't how it's supposed to work. We're supposed to be in the trenches. We're supposed to not leave after rehearsal. We're supposed to sleep in the green room, right? And y'all are like doing this stuff while you're running chem labs and stuff. This isn't how it is. But the disciplinary background of these folks makes me go, what does this mean? What does this mean? So as I'm sitting here rolling out this conversation in my head about how can you be a bio major, but make this amazing play about uh, the original Tesla and you're like going like, okay. And so my, my, then my wife has twins, right? And I go, okay, so this theater stuff isn't working for me anymore because I'm not super happy, but this education stuff is making my brain hurt. Like what is going on here? I know I had to get out of Chicago because I couldn't afford to raise twins in Chicago. Bottom line, I had a brand new house in Chicago. I had to get out. And so we yeah. get to Dayton on a whim. On a lucky, I got hired to run this, you know, this facility called Art Street, right? Art Street was this living learning community in the South Student neighborhood of the University of Dayton. Um, for those of you who know, University of Dayton is like 85, 90% residential. We own all the houses pretty much, you know. It is a very community-driven yeah, experience. Yeah, right, right. Art Street is this like um, Tim Burton-esque, like very cool building, building, right? That was meant to be like a space in 04 to build, the, to allow students to come in who weren't, who to make art on the weekend. So they weren't doing the other stuff. Yeah, right? sure, sure. And so, and so there's this, over time, there's this constant concept of like, um, and I'm going there thinking, okay, I'm going to try to mess around with the arts, right? I'm not in education yet. I'm just in this space, like, oh, I'm going to be a different art major. I'm going to be, I'm going to develop art making differently, right? I was a theater guy. I was working in the consulates in Chicago. I was thinking about playwriting differently, all this stuff. But then I get to this art street. 51 students live in this facility. 
everybody tells me it's art majors. I get into my first week of the job and it's like the Noah's Ark of majors. Like there's two of everybody there, engineers, bio, you name it. And I'm like back in, I'm back in. Very similar. Facility. Why didn't you choose to live here? And they start talking about how I'm an engineer, but I want to make hip hop music or I'm an artist. But what I really want to be is an activist. And all of a sudden you're like, so why can't you do it? Because I can't pivot fast. And they weren't using that terminology, right? But they were like, I can't just drop my engineering major. My parents are paying a, a lot of money. I can't do this. I can't do that. But, but we should be able to help you with that at higher ed. Why are you, I don't need four, I don't want you for four years to be hating college. I loved University of Illinois. I love my undergraduate experience. I don't want you to hate it. And it dawned on me right there, Ryan. It was like right there. I'm like, I, I, I remember the boys, the twins were born. And I just looked at them and said, I got to figure out my purpose of what I'm doing in my life right now. Because this making this theater stuff isn't going to work with these twins because I'm never home in rehearsal. Yeah, yeah. But I'm not ready to give myself up yet. I don't know who I am. yet. I'm 35 years old at that time. I didn't know who I was yet. 34, 35. Getting to Dayton it became very apparent who I was. I talked to these young people and said, oh, the education system might not be working for them the way they need it to work for them. If I'm going to be here, I got to figure out what education means for the next generation because guess what? This generation is going to be the ones who are going to hire and teach my children. That's and exactly that's right. a major, major piece of the puzzle right there, right? If they're going to hire and teach my children I've got to be able to make sure that I get them the opportunity to be the best versions of themselves. And that's when I became somebody who is challenging and, and, and fighting what might be traditional approaches to curriculum and pedagogy in education. That's my education origin story. I love that. I love that. What, I, what I'm hearing is like, you came in like two different places. You came into contact with these, with these kids that were fighting against being pigeonholed by their major almost you know like 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 yeah. if you're a if you're an engineer you got to stay in your engineer lane if you're a you're an artist you got to stay in your artist lane is that kind of what i'm hearing yeah and it's not because they don't it's not it's it's just because of both the structures and the expectation i'll be honest the university of dayton has multiple opportunities the problem is i think a lot of our young people coming to college back then even so have guardians and parents who have a misconception of what college actually means. Sure. Yeah, and right. that's what locks that's what locks you in, right? Right. Right. Okay. Okay. So okay. So you have been in the system for for a minute. You have seen the system through several different lenses. Um, okay. What do you see? Because you've kind of talked about, which is why I love you so much, about reimagining um kind of the system, the education system in, in certain fronts. And so I'm, I'm curious what you see as a major problem in education um, that this big idea hopes to solve. I mean, I think, I mean, I, you know, I, I, I'm, I, the, the concept of problem places education in a very negative light. And I'm not saying right. that's not the wrong terminology, right? But I mean, for me, I think it is about what we understand as what is the outcome of education. Okay. And that's my biggest issue, right? Because- okay. I think from my position in higher ed, and I think this goes back backwards even to high school, is that we assume that 
the educational system is built for uh, a transactional outcome, right? You come to college or you go to, you, you're in high school and your job is to get to college, right? I mean, the vocational design, and I mean, hands-on vocation, not the calling or the pet, but the vocational design is always been stigmatized, right? So right. We, we don't want our, the average, most of our parents or adults don't want their child to, to go into the vocation because they feel like it's a, um, um, a, a consolation prize. Yeah, right. right? Yeah, so I can like see that. We need, we need to be thinking is like, we need to move our young people through in order to better and to become transformative. And I think that's the issue, right? I think what our outcome bases are, 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 are jilted by, oh, this is going to sound terrible, Brian and Ryan, but I'm sorry, but like, this is, it's it, the capitalistic nature, the industrial nature of our, of our economy design tells us that we need to be creating more people for the next, next generation of the economy. And I'm not saying it's wrong. But the problem is, is that we're pumping children out to get jobs. And yeah. what we're finding right now is that the jobs are going, wait a second, high school or college, you're saying you've got your diploma is signaling that you have these skills, but yet you get in here and you ain't got the skills. Because the job and market changes sudden, every yeah, week. Every time. Right. And so we're still teaching towards accredited practices that might be a little outdated and we're still teaching towards unfortunately old old research models and even when we want to innovate the system is too slow to innovate so what's ended up happening right now is that we're sitting in this space saying i've got young people ending up in jobs and the jobs are going wait you've got a diploma in this but you don't even have half of these skills but your signal the signal we've always been told has been this and so i think if we were able to simply say that our outcome of our degrees are not necessarily transactional, it doesn't just mean four years in a job or four years in college, but it was more about transformational with the intention of building up skill builds that actually, actually fulfill the skills gaps in our current economy, we actually might have a more robust economy afterwards, yeah. while at the same time producing people who want to continue to learn. I know it's a lot pieces of the puzzle, but I will tell you right now, our Gen Zs and our alphas, emerging gen- generation alphas, want nothing more to become better people and to understand what it means to be a better person. And you already hit it once, Ryan. Your, young, your daughter has a gap of experience because of COVID. Yeah. What are they trying to fill that with? They're trying to fill that with like social design. And people keep talking about like, well, they're always on social media. They're on social media, but they're talking about it next to each other. They're, yeah. It's just different dialogue. And yeah. that's what we have to embrace. And that's my biggest issue. Higher ed doesn't move fast enough for the evolution of where we are. That's my long-term like hypotheses, right? So there you go. There's my soapbox, homie. Hey, I love that soapbox. And I agree with that soapbox. Um, it sounds it sounds eerily similar uh, to several books I've read by Ted Dentersmith, um, who was uh, President Obama's uh, appointee to the UN Education Council. Mm-hmm. Uh, he talks extensively about the changing work environment and about, uh, in particular, um, automation and the fact um, anything that's going to be automated is going to be automated. And uh, the future of work for him is these skills. And so I love what you're talking about, especially the, the competency. So I'm really excited to get into this 
um, what your big ed idea is. And so, so Brian, if you are saying, and I love this, education is transformational, not transactional. I wrote that down. Um, yes. What do you see as your big ed idea? Well, and you know this, Ryan, I've been rocking it out and I'm telling you, it's what we call now. My hope is that we can start to look at alternative credentialing. Yeah. And what I would own at the alternative credentialing model is the inversions of what we now know and so many of us probably are listening right now as micro-credentials, right? right? And so the big thing about this is that um, COVID has done one many things, but one of the biggest things I've seen is our understanding of our own time. And so many of us are trying to hold on to the fact that we realize how important time is to us. COVID made us realize either whether it's more time with our family or more time with ourselves or whatever. We want more time, which means there's a whole new emerging population of recognizing that I don't know if I have four years to give right now to higher ed, right? I don't have four years, four years straight, right? Yeah. Like, I don't know if I can afford it. I don't know. I, I actually have to like, you know, take care of my mom and papa, my grandma, grandma, my, 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 my daughter, my, my, my sister, right? So, right. Like I can go in and out. I need to be able to go in and out. I want the degree. But I want to also be able to do stuff, right? So how do you do that? Because we don't, we kind of hold the diploma hostage, right? We're trying to tell, we, you can't really kind of pimp your curriculum, I'm sorry, your, 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 your um, resume because you don't have the diploma. So all of a sudden we're just like, yeah, you can't, you, you may have earned some stuff and you learned some stuff, but yeah, you know what? We don't really validate that because you don't have the white sheet of paper. Yeah, I found that micro-credentials if you're giving them off within the woven fabric of curriculum, which isn't to say it's disrupting the diploma, I'm not asking the diploma to go away, but the micro-credential, specifically the 21st century skill micro-credential, because that is the largest skills gap currently in our American work sector. And we're talking critical thinking, collaboration, creative problem solving, resilience, initiative, empathy, oral communication, intercultural fluency. Those are those 21st century skills, right? Those are the gaps. If we're able to find ways to be able to award our young people micro-credential, in essence, a digital badge as the outcome yep. of yep. your succession of that specific coursework. So for instance, I might be in psychology 101, whether it's high school or, 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 K, or higher ed. And my educators are saying, we teach empathy really well, great. So why don't we follow this, this rubric and understand what you're teaching so that your child, this, this young person, can get the grade. In the meantime, the grade is great. It's positioned to have them get the diploma. But more importantly, now they understand what empathy means. Let's award them a digital badge or a micro-credential so they can then leverage that thing immediately. Yeah. They can yeah. go into workforce and say, I see you're looking for empathetic fill-in-the-blank. I have this micro-credential. Can I get this summer job now over this other person or this other, can I get this co-op or this apprenticeship? We need to be awarding things on this kind of non-linear basis to allow our, our, our prospects of economy growth, our economic growth, but also our people to grow because nobody has time to wait for a damn diploma. No. And that's the issue right now. And that's my big idea. I just would like us to embrace an alternative credentialing process that allows us to create inclusive pathways to student success. 
And that also means it gives our, our students of, 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 of means, of needs, uh, uh, to have an ability to actually build up their micro stack these things when they may not be able to afford the next year of college. Yeah, right, 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 right. right? And now they have these skill builds that they can own. And they were stacking them both horizontally and vertically, which is a whole other uh, podcast. But like we can have what we're doing is giving folks the skills they need now, not because they have to wait until they pay off whatever it is they have to pay off to get their da- diploma. I shouldn't say Dan diploma. I work in higher ed. I'm not trying yeah, to. Diss. Yeah. This is not a diploma replacement, Ryan. You know this, man. It's a both and. And that's the other thing. We need to be both and. We need to be able to do both of these things. So anyways. Okay. Okay, so I am a very much a vi- like a like a like somebody that that likes to well, I say a visual thinker. Um, so I always try to create a picture in my mind of what I'm thinking about. Um, when I, I can remember very vividly in school and in high school, doodling on the margins of my paper, whatever the teacher was talking about doing mind maps, all that stuff. So Mm -hmm, what I'm thinking mm -hmm. right now is your idea and tell me I'm wrong is essentially the diploma is the backpack. The micro credentials are one inside the backpack and Uh, right. And you can, yeah, I I always say it's a, I always go, no, Ryan, you finish, you finish. Okay. Okay. So so what I'm thinking is, so what I'm thinking is, used to the old system let's be honest the system as it is now does not give you that backpack until you have reached the the finish line you have paid your you have paid your money you have received the certificate blah 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 this new way of thinking is this is actually a backpack that i can wear around through the process and i can pull out these credentials when needed to say hey i'm i'm already trained in that I'm all, look, you need somebody that like, like I'm thinking, okay, I'm, I'm a Google level one and Google level two certified educator. That is sure. a micro credential. So Absolutely. if somebody ever says in a meeting, Hey, does anybody, you know, how to cre- know how to create a Google sheet that can do X, Y, Z, I can say, man, let me, let me pull this credential out of my backpack. Absolutely. And that's what you're talking about. Like, I always quit. I, I love this backpack analogy. I might have to, I'm, I'm not going to steal it. I'm going to steal it. Steal Sorry, it. Ryan. Steal like an artist. <laughs> Austin Keon's books, man. Like, um, but I was quit to like an, uh, like a phone. Like we, we get this awesome phone out of a box. It's ours. It's like the diploma. It's beautiful. Yeah. It's shiny. It's ours. But what does the diploma mean? It doesn't mean anything. The phone really doesn't mean anything out of the box. It's just a phone. That's right. What do we put on the phone? What do we, what do we, how do we amplify the phone to make it ours? We put apps on it. Micro-credentials are apps for the diploma. It makes the diploma sing. It makes it magnify. It amplifies the voice of the diploma. In the same breath, it also, like your backpack, actually, though, if you don't get the diploma, you still have micro-credentials, which That's also right. means you actually have a, have a whole nother level of skills. And we have to be able to be both and because... The competition in the market space in higher ed right now is getting very, 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 very tight. And we've got to find value-add ways to meet people where they are as, edu- as educators and 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 look what we call learner earners, right? Yeah. Um, and so we've got to understand that this has got to have transferability, usability, and utility. And 
I'm not denying that both and the theories are important, but the transferability is equally important. And that's $62 billion was spent two years ago on upskilling our population because workforce said you ain't got none of these 21st century skills, but your diploma said you had them. What I love. You gotta do better. What I love hearing. (laughs) So, okay. So now for 22 years, we have been talking about 21st century skills and we still (laughs) haven't freaking got it right. Because they, because they still have, they're like, they still have these issues because they've been, this is why you'll never, I'll say it now. You had not heard me say soft skills once. I will never call them soft skills because there's nothing soft about these skills. Yes. And that's the issue, right? And workforce is saying, and we've got metadata and massive amounts of data right now in the micro-credential space that will allow young people who are any purpose, long, life, lifelong learners to earn these micro-credentials and get jobs and careers. You said careers, yep. Ryan. Yep. These are careers because you don't know what you don't know. And as we yep. start to continue to understand that we're in nimble spaces of new jobs emerging, and I don't know what I want, and that's okay. Micro-credentials allows your skills to stack. Yep. And the stacking things is what we're trying to do right now. And I think that's where we're, what the biggest blind spot right now in education in general is, listen, you and I, We'll customize an Amazon site because that's our shopping. We will get on the gym and we'll get our, we'll go on our iFit, whatever app we have, and we'll get our digital rewards. We have to have a digital education economy. Yep. And that's yep. the God's honest truth. Yep. Yep. So, okay. As you're sitting here talking, I know a lot of what you talked about is in, is in higher ed, but I think you, you, you also have talked about at length that this is something that we could definitely do at the high school level. Um, Absolutely. Like the way my mind is thinking, Brian, like I feel like sometimes I feel like sometimes we want these kids to learn these skills, but then we push it off to college. And then we're surprised that the kids that don't go to college don't have those skills. Right. Does that that make sense? It it, it, it makes absolute sense. And I think it's 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 a both and again. I I don't nobody's to blame here. Right. I think it's just. I think what happens is right now is that we assume in our syllabi or in our course curriculum or student learning outcomes, whether it's K, it's whether it's it's high school or or, or post secondary, um, that we have for years put these skills into the syllabi as if they're assumed. Right? I'm going to teach critical thinking. We're going to have critical thinking. You're absolutely right, and I'd be willing to bet the freshman in high school and the freshman in college have classes that have critical thinking, no doubt. The question becomes, and this is where I think the biggest crux is, right? This is an external model, which is very tricky for people to wrap their heads around, right? Like we are so insular because of our accredited process. We we have to we have accredited bodies, right? Who come in and tell us, and that goes for high schools and and post-secondary. Somebody comes comes in and adjudicates us and tells us, are we good and are we doing the job right? The micro-credential is meant to be external. It's a yep. validation piece, the external piece, which means, are you actually teaching this so your child, your student can tell somebody? It is not about you not teaching or teaching it good or whatever. It's about getting your students to say, I learned critical thinking in this English class my sophomore year of high school, and this is what I've learned. Yeah, We don't ever spend enough time with the understanding that our students need a little bit of help to communicate these very abstract concepts. Like 
People keep saying resilience is a privileged skill. And they're absolutely right. Why don't I privilege? Because for years, white Eurocentric systems have commodified this as a way to separate. You don't have the resilience because you didn't come from this space. That's right. Quite the opposite. Yeah. Quite the opposite. Right, right. The problem is they never gave them the empowerment of language to yep. say, this is why I am resilient. I'm resilient because I have come from this area, this neighborhood, whatever. And that's what we have to do. We teach vocabulary. We use reflection as vocabulary to understand this. If I can get high schools to do this, colleges will have to move. Or if I can get colleges to move, high schools will have to move because yep. these are ways to get people in this system. I, arguably, Ryan, I think you can be, we can do this in eighth grade, but yep. you know, Little by little, baby steps. Hey, I, I'm thinking, I mean, we could, you could take this all the way down to kindergarten level and kids have a digital backpack of their micro credentials that they have learned along the way. Whether that is, you know, all the way, something, something as low as um, I can solve a two-step equation, maybe all the way up to I can, I can code a yep. robot you know, whatever, you know, I can design but, but an online picture server. Picture this. And this is something that we're working on right now. And we'll talk about this in another time. What happens if you had at the, at the K, the K-8 level, you had parents in a wraparound experience because the parents could use those badges as well Amen. in their professional development. You can do a holistic wraparound where your young people are getting their early, early style backpack. While grandma, grandpa, mom, and dad, auntie, uncle are also getting their digital badges for creative problem solving. Here we go. Now yeah. we've got a 360 model for the entire family for lifelong learning. That's huge. Yeah. When, when our system, and I'm going to go out on a limb here, and I'm going to say that you're probably going to agree with what I'm about to say. I hope. Otherwise, this whole thing is for naught. But um, <laughs> I, would, I would imagine um, it is time for the system to to stop thinking that the system is for learning stuff and we should be able we should be moving towards doing stuff so it's not about what we memorize it's not about what information we have in our brain anymore it's what we can do with that information whether it's we have googled it whether we have found it online, something like that. And now what do we do with that information? You're absolutely right. Because you and I will go to a store and we know what our prices are of our products that we're going to purchase. We, that's memory. That's not, right. that's nothing. We go in and we buy that off the, we take it off the rack or we go on the website and we buy it. We go on Amazon. We say, we know that's what this is going to cost. Right. And we send it through the system. And we make a transaction. Yep. That is education right now. What we should yes. be doing is really thinking more about the variables and the ambiguity, ambiguity of what it, be, what it means to be a learner, right? And reward the effort of learning so that we become transformed. And you're yep. right, the doing, the doing, the utility, the transferability of our skill builds. Make, and what we transfer in second grade to third grade is powerful. And it will be a skill build that we carry until junior to senior year of high school, junior to senior year of college. If we go to college, we don't have to go to college, right? But 
what we're doing is stair-stepping, to your point, utility, the doing of work. And I think utility is a tricky thing because people are like, well, utility is typically core function. I would like to trip that up a little bit and say utility is usability. Yeah, no yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, it's, the, it's the ability, it's, it's, it's the core function of our, yeah, we use it, but the utility of it is that it's our core function. It's what we do to survive. It's like our infrastructure, right? It's our 21st century schools, our infrastructure. The problem is, is that we don't understand and that our infrastructure of 21st century skills is valuable because nobody in school is telling us it's valuable Yeah. because nobody's telling us it's what gets us to the diploma. And yeah. that's the issue. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So I can definitely tell Brian that you and me could talk about micro credentialing. <laughs> uh, we could talk about skilling, the, the whole nine yards for hours. Yeah, we absolutely. could talk about it for hours. Um, and I would be okay with that. Now, I don't know if the guys and gals out there in uh, radio land want to listen to us banter. No, I don't think so. Forever and ever. Um, So, okay. I want to give you a a quick, like, in three sentences, or maybe you Mm -hmm. can do four sentences. Uh Uh-huh. Why micro-credentials? Why micro-credentials? Here it goes. Because the new generation is connected more to how they are as people, not what they learn as people. And the Mm -hmm. ability to transfer how they are as people is becoming more valuable in the workforce. Therefore, we need to credential that in a way that has meaning beyond the diploma. That's why. Ooh, mic drop. That's crazy. Absolutely. I just came up with that way. Can I make good. sure I get this back? Because that yeah. was good. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'll write that out. I'll send it to you. Man, that was good. That was good. Okay. On a Sunday at nine o'clock, I made mean, God nine o'clock Eastern Standard Time. I don't know what, what that might have been nonsense for all I know. So no, that sounded phenomenal. Okay. So my big ed idea listeners, you have had a chance tonight to talk um, and to listen to my friend Brian. Um, from the University of Dayton, he's talking about micro-credentialing. I could not agree more with what he's saying. We've got to shift uh, towards a, a more of a competency abro- approach. Um, man, I pray that one day I am able to have a spot at a table where we are able to do micro-credentials um, at the K through 12 level. I see it. I can yeah. see it. I, I, I can feel it. I, I, I know it would work. Um, so, Brian, anybody that's out there that's listening, maybe they just want to know more about, about this concept. Maybe they just want to um, hear more from you. How can they get a hold of you? Yeah, absolutely. So, obviously, you find me at University of Dayton at, you know, ud.edu slash IAC, I-A-C-T. Um, that's the Institute. So I act as what we know. You can find me on LinkedIn, just type Brian LaDuke, you'll find me. There's not many of me in the world. And, um, you know, if you're interested in tracking me down in my more fun spaces, check me out. We're at, uh, Instagram at, uh, be the D imagines. So B underscore L L A underscore D underscore imagines or over at Twitter at disrupt mindset. So, you know, that's where we live. That's where we preach. That's where we do our, 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 our social concept. And then, you know, even if you want to email me, how about this? B-L-A-D-U-C-A, the number one at udayton.edu. I am super open to converse with all y'all at any time. It's my job. I would love it. Thank you. And you can definitely tell he's from the uh, Midwest. He said y'all. Um, so that means he's serious about this. So if you want to reach out to Brian, 
uh, reach out to any of those ways. I know uh, from personal experience, this guy is super uh, friendly and super welcome to talk about really anything, which I love about him. Um, I'm hoping we get another uh, microbrew um, opportunity. Oh, we will. We will. You need okay. to come visit me, man. I'll, I'll figure out a way to get you here. Uh, come on now. So Okay. 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 So to my big Ed Idea listeners, I just want to say again, uh, from the bottom of my heart, thank you so much for pushing that button to play this episode. You do not have to. Um, just the, 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 the reason for you listening tonight, I just appreciate you. Um, time is super important. We know time is finite. So to be able to spend your time with us tonight just, just means a whole heck of a lot. So I just want to say thank you. If you are listening and you have an idea of how we can change the world of or through education, do not hesitate to hit me up. Probably the best way is to hit me up on Twitter, Ryan C. Scott, 1981. You can find me on Facebook. Uh, just search Ryan Scott and you'll probably find pictures of me and my, my family. That's how you know it's me. Um, you can also find me. Let's see. Find me on Instagram, Ryan Scott, 1981. But outside of that, um, have a wonderful evening. Have a wonderful day, whatever you are doing. And like I always say in the immortal words of John Janoski, who was my grandfather, every night, every day before I would leave his house, he'd say, Ryan, until next time, I'll see you in the funny paper. hanging out with me here on the Big Ed Idea Podcast. My hope is that this would be a conversation, a meeting of the minds and a space for one person's vision to inspire the passions of another. However, none of this can happen without you. So let's be change agents together and build a better future. Please subscribe or reach out to me on Twitter, Facebook, or Instagram. Come to the conversation with your passion and together, let's build something awesome. Until next time, I'll see you in the funny paper.